turn to James chapter 4. Whole new chapter. As we continue on, I might need to ask you to kind of move your feet up under the pews uh, because James is coming for our toes this morning. Um, the end of chapter 3, we talked about godly wisdom and earthly wisdom and what the difference is. And obviously, there's tremendous difference. And pursuing God in His wisdom, pursuing God in our life, that's part of our whole faith growth process is becoming more like Jesus, uh, seeking after the will of God, allowing the Holy Spirit to really mold and make us and, and work in our life. So James gets to chapter 4 and is continuing kind of this conversation of the, the effect that the worldly wisdom has on our life. And with earthly wisdom... There are words like war and fightings and self-indulgence, prayerlessness, our passions, our adultery, envy, pride, slander, and murder. Like this doesn't sound this sounds like a message for those who are not believers in Christ. But this is to the church. This is to us. Um, and this is what happens when the earthly wisdom, the worldly wisdom gets involved in our life, gets involved in our faith. We continue to have this battle. Uh, within us, our battle with ourselves versus our relationship with God. So read with me James chapter 4, and we're just going the first three verses. James 4, verses 1 through 3. And today is true faith versus selfishness. Now, how many of you are not selfish in this room right now? That's what I thought. Okay. Um, 4, verses 1 through 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that our, your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And so this first part, I put this is war. Uh, there, there is a battle going on, and in the ESV it says what causes quarrels. The Greek reads literally what causes war. Now, war sounds a bit strong, and a bit, you know, we're not arming up and, and getting our, our gear on to go into battle. But we kind of are, because most wars start with the small things. Uh, the small squabbles in our relationships... Uh, the little things, and then they tend to escalate, don't they? And get bigger and bigger to where there's an all-out war. And we actually see this in history. Good old Google again. Um, there's a lot of interesting stories of how wars and battles began over a very simple, silly thing. Uh, the one I want to share with you this morning is back in 1325 in Italy. And it was fought between two rival city-states, one of Boulanais and the other of Modena, or you could say in English, Bologna and Modena. <laughs> but th these two city-states were in northern Italy, and the Modenese soldiers decided to go steal a bucket from the city well. And granted, there was a long tension between these two city-states. Uh, but these soldiers decided to go raid the rival city of Bologna, and to make matters worse, they grabbed that bucket of water and brought it back and showed it as like a trophy. Ha, look what we stole from those guys. 
And that was nothing, right? There should have been nothing to that. But it infuriated the Bolognese. um, And to the point that they called its army to attack Modena and retrieve the prized possession of the bucket. And the war went on, though, for 12 years uh, as it sparked with this bucket. And it was one of the largest battles of the Middle Ages, and it didn't give Bologna its bucket back. And in fact, in Modena today, there is remains of that bucket still um, as kind of a, a symbol or trophy, if you will, of what happened. So here's an all-out war that happened over a bucket. Granted, there are all these tensions, but it takes one thing to spark us into a, a battle with our relationships with others. And I know we could sit here for hours talking about the tensions and relationships that we have with loved ones and coworkers and our neighbors. And if we don't get it in check, it can escalate into an all-out battle. And so here, and we've dealt with this forever, uh, we are wired to be selfish as, as humans. And even looking at early church wars that happened, the church in Corinth were competing with each other in the public meetings, even suing each other in court. The Galatian church were biting and devouring one another. The church in Ephesus had issues with spiritual unity. The church in Philippi had problems. Two women could not get along with each other. Now, there are strong women in my life, and any two of them that were having an issue with each other, that was, that was going to be a problem. And so even the early church was dealing with disunity because of selfishness, because of allowing something that wasn't from God but allowing this earthly and, and worldly wisdom into the life of the church, the life of our family, the life of our, our work environment is going to cause some issues. So James says that what causes quarrels and causes fights among you, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And James points out that, that look at the source of the conflict. It's from within. Um, it is from within. James takes a a look at the root cause, which is selfishness. So we're going to deal with some selfishness the rest of this morning. But imagine two selfish people digging their heels in and accusing each other of being the cause of the problems. Now here is what I'm going to hear this morning. That's right, Pastor Randy. The current fight that I'm in is because that other person is so selfish. I had nothing to do with this. It's the other person's selfishness, right? Have you thought about that? Don't look at your, your, your family members right now. But all I can say in response to that is, oh, my dear fellow log bearers, you have something in your eye. Read with me Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. In Matthew 7, 1 through 5, and we're familiar with this. Sometimes we don't like to read it because I know it applies to other people. Matthew 7, 1 through 5 says, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! 
First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So that's where we are, aren't we? We deal with conflict and all my different uh, situations of trying to counsel two people who are in conflict with one another. And sometimes in our minds and hearts, they're at war with one, each, one another. It is impossible for them to take responsibility for their own selfishness. Because never ever, and I still have years to go, and I get that, but never ever have I had two people in conflict trying to work it through with them that there, it was 100% one person's fault. There are always two sides, is there not? Even if it's 5% or 10% of the problem is one person and the rest is the other, which could be a, a lot of the fights, that person with the 10% still needs to own up that there's a little bit of selfishness involved. Uh, and to take a step back and to sit there and think, you know what, let me stop, let me be still, let me listen. And a lot of times a conflict can be resolved. And so understanding that the first step to resolving conflict is acknowledging our own selfishness. So the war within. And let's take a look a little bit more at what this selfishness is causing within our hearts. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? The main enemy isn't the other person. It's our own selfish, sinful flesh. And if we don't defeat it, if we don't deal with it, we're, it will destroy us. And that word in 4 verse 1, and then James uses it again in verse 3, is your passions. And that's your pleasure, your desire, what you want. And we get the word hedonism from this Greek word. Um, and hedonism is a philosophy that views pleasure as the chief goal of life. It's all about me. It's what I want. It's my desire. My pleasure trumps anything else and everyone else in this world. It is truly all about me. Let me take care of my desires and my wishes above anyone and everyone else. Now, this goes completely opposite of what we talked about last week with our new life in Christ Jesus. Does it not? Our new life in Christ should be pursuing all the things of who Christ is. Romans 6.6 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And that's the ideal, but it's not real. It, we still have an issue with sin, and we still have an issue with our old self. And Christ, I'm glad that we have Christ Jesus in our life, that it's not just our ticket to heaven. He, it's him at work in our life. And in Romans 7, it talks about this struggle. And I've, I've used this passage before, but the word war is in here as well. Romans 7, through 25 reads, For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So Paul knows about this war, and we all understand this war, the struggle within of our selfish desires versus what God wants. Um, God's hit in his wisdom and his guidance and his will for our life. We know that we're trying to get there, but man, there is still that selfish part of our life that wants to hold on to everything. 
But and as long as we live in these bodies, we will do battle with sin. And we will be battling our selfish desires versus what God wants for us. So is there any benefit in selfishness? Uh, James pretty much wipes this out. And let's look at the path that selfishness takes us down. And look at verse 2 and 3. It says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not see, receive. So look at this. You desire your passions. That's great. But you don't have. It doesn't, you, you don't end up accomplishing what you thought you were going to accomplish with your own selfish desires. You covet and cannot obtain. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask, but you do not receive. All because of our selfishness. It gets us nowhere. And sin always makes that enticing promise, doesn't it? You know, hey, look, if you do this a little bit, there's going to be this amazing moment of pleasure. You're going to get what you want. And then we deal with the consequences after and the destruction after. Sin will always lead to destruction. And James uses a pretty strong picture here, doesn't he? That you desire and do not have, so you murder. Well, all right, James, it's not really saying that I'm going to go murder people because I don't get what I want, but that happens, doesn't it? Uh, there, is, there are steps to take to get to that point of anger and frustration that physical murder actually happens. And James doesn't necessarily mean this um, literally, but it is true what happens in our mind. And Jesus warns us with this in Matthew 5 on the Sermon of the Mount, that if you are angry with your brother or sister, you have murdered them in God's sight. And in our anger, in our own thoughts, the thought of murdering someone to end this conflict is as bad as murdering someone physically. So there's anger, there's rage, there's all this that selfishness leads us down to, especially dealing with others and in our conflict. And we should not miss the implication that murder usually begins with unchecked anger. And you would say, I would never murder anyone. Well, that's great. But don't let yourself get down that road so far that it becomes a last-minute choice. And I would never physically abuse or my wife or my children, and I hope we're right. But let's make sure we're keeping in check our anger and keeping in check our selfishness. Because that's where this selfishness leads. And if we continually erupt in anger towards others, we've got to stop and confront that enemy, our passion, our selfish desires. And we, when, we can, when we cannot grow in our Christian life, we can't bear the fruit of God if we have this anger and we have this selfishness that is so rampant in our life. It is difficult to bear witness the Holy Spirit's work in our life, to bear witness the gospel and message of Christ Jesus and speak of our relationship and in our faith when there's anger and when there's so much selfishness, so much so that it can be seen from others from the outside. So James really hits, hits us to the core with this next section, and it's talking about our prayer life. And James says, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not see because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So 
Are you ready to gauge our selfishness? Are we ready to see really, truly how selfish we are? What is our prayer life like? Because it is impossible to go to God in prayer, seeking after his will for our life and our circumstances, and be selfish at the same time. Because then we're not willing to give over our heart and our will to God's will. And that's in prayer, that's what we're pursuing. And maybe one reason that we fail to pray is that it is hard to pray for someone who's frustrating you, isn't it? Have you ever stopped and someone that you're angry at, frustrated at, and that you're just not getting your way with them to stop and pray for them, truly pray for them? It's impossible, and so we don't. And so we miss out on this opportunity for God to come in and intervene in the situation. And we want to be angry. Sometimes it feels good to be angry and frustrated because it kind of gets the attention off of you, doesn't it? Uh, off of us, sorry. It, it's easier to, to throw all the blame somewhere else and not take responsibility for our own selfish desires. So it affects our prayer life. So now we've really got a situation that we've got to keep in check, that we've got to truly be able to go to God and allow Christ Jesus to work in our situation in whatever relationship that we're in. And Maybe you do pray for the people who you have issues with because it's like, God, please get them out of my life. You know, move them out of the state. Get them somewhere gone so I don't have to deal with this anymore. That's a pretty selfish prayer, isn't it? And that's the next piece is how selfish are our prayers. Because look what James says in verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Wow, that's basically using God to get what you want. And that's a dangerous prayer to pray. To say, Lord, please, you know, help me out in this situation. You know, I'm dealing with financial needs. Just give me the money I need. Okay, well, if he does, are you truly going to glorify him with that money that you receive? Or are you just going to blow it and fix that situation, your personal situation? You know, Father, help me in this situation with this person. And again, asking them, asking God to get rid of them or something. But are we truly praying for God to give us something for us to turn around and use it for his glory? Are we asking God to give us something for us to use selfishly to take care of ourselves? And that's an attitude that we've got to check. If we pray selfishly, it shows that we are trying to use God for our purposes rather than seeking his purposes. So what about this prayer? It's easy to say, dear Lord, please fix this. It will make my life so much easier. I'm guilty of that. God, help me out in this. You know, make it where I don't have the stress over this situation or this person. Or do we need to pray, dear Lord, what is your will in this? I want what you want. I'll say and do what you want me to say and do. That's a lot harder prayer. But if we are truly seeking after pursuing God, pursuing our lordship of of Christ in our hearts, you know, we've talked about Christ being on the throne of our life and our heart. If he truly is, we are seeking after the things of God and the things of what Christ Jesus wants us to do and to say. 
And in the Lord's Prayer, it is very clear, as Jesus taught us, that it is not to get our will done on earth, but it is God's will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. A prayer is not that we can use God, but that God can use us. So this now doesn't just affect the conflicts with other people, our situation. It's into our spiritual life. It is into our spiritual health of a check of how, what is our prayer life versus our selfishness in our life. So here's my phrase for all of us. Stop being selfish and pray more. All right? I should have started with that. But stop being selfish. Now, is that going to be easy? Can we turn that off? I'm not about to give you a challenge for 24 hours because I'm not going to make it 24 hours. We're wired that way. But let's continue to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Continue to let him be at work in our life and, and stop. You know, James talked about stopping and not speaking so quickly to just pause and, and stop. Be still know that God is God, and then check and see where he, what direction he wants us to go. And if we can do it a little bit better this next week than we did last week, then that's part of our faith growth process, that we are continuing to, continuing to grow. Turn with me as we close to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to look at verses 23 and 24. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. 23 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It's a daily requirement to put ourself to death, our selfishness to death. But why would we want to do that? Verse 24, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So there really isn't a choice, is there? between pleasing ourselves or pleasing God. It is truly about pleasing God. And when we live to please God by denying ourselves, we gain our life, a truly abundant life, a life that God wants for us, a life that is pursuing Christ Jesus in all things, a life that is allowing the Holy Spirit to have power in our life. And it's an abundant life. It is a life that is, is not without conflict. There will always be conflict. There will always be tension between relationships and work and whatever else we have in our life. But man, knowing that Christ Jesus is alive in our life and our heart, we have the power to overcome and we have the strength to endure any situation and any conflict. And if we are always continuing to keep our eyes on Jesus, we're going to be so much better off and our prayer life will be amazing as we continue to seek him in all things that we do. Please close with me in prayer. Father, I thank you for this morning as we continue to take a look in James and man, to see what the struggle is in our own life, the struggle and war in our hearts to continue to want to do the things that glorify you versus the things that we want that is selfish that is taking care of our own heart. Father, I pray that you continue to work in our life and mold us and to make us and to keep our eyes focused on Jesus 
in all things, that we glorify you. Father, I pray for any current conflicts that are going on in relationships, in work, in whatever situation. Father, I pray for strength. I pray for power to, for you to work in this situation, for us to seek your will in every part of our life that we glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.